everyone doing tonight? open in prayer. Father, thank you for your your help and love to us. Thank you that we come as your people and I pray that you would take our tiredness and give us your strength. Thank you that you've taken our sin and given us your righteousness. Thank you that you, we've given you our hostility and you've given us friendship. Thank you that you your son became poor that we might become rich. So God, I, I pray that you would help us to be real, um, really built up in faith tonight to pray to you and to hear your word and to obey it. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good to get together with you tonight. Um, is there any, any, any announcements or anything that we need to be aware of? Anything going on? Anybody? Anybody have a baby? Anyone? <laughs> anyone have? <laughs> Jay, come on, Jay. So, Jason, no. Okay, I want I want us to pull out our our Wednesday gathering sheets and look at the fighter verse because we. I, it would be awesome if somebody besides Elijah or Jessica said it this Sunday. <laughs> and, um, but more, more than that, I really encourage you to take these verses that you're, you may be familiar with, Philippians 2, because the next, I think it's the, not only this week, but the next three weeks of fighter verses are actually taking the next two verses. So we're actually going to kind of memorize a whole paragraph of of uh, Philippians chapter 2. So it begins with, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And so, um, anybody memorize this yet? Has anybody ever memorized this passage before? Jay, you have? Have you, Pastor Jeff? Right. What's that? Yeah. Um, so let's let's focus our minds this week on this. Let's let's say this together. You have it in front of you. Let's read it together. You know, me too. I probably I probably learned it that way with the King James too. So it's Philippians two five through seven. Paul is, he just has finished saying 
don't be selfish. Don't be about selfish your, your own things, but put others first, their interests before you. Have this mind among yourselves. Let's say it together. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Are we missing anything, Julie? read it again. Okay. He's my mentor. So we're going to go slower. Yeah. Ready? Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Men. Okay, so let's... Let's jump right into the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And we're going we're gonna to go, you have the, the sheet there in front of you. If someone that has the Bible open, will you, turn, will you read Matthew 5, 1 through 8? Who wants to read Matthew 5, 1 through 8, nice and loud? Charlotte. So far, among all these Beatitudes, we, we've gone up through last week was blessed are the merciful. What ones, I just want to hear from you for a minute. What one stood out to you so far? What, what one has either been the most, most thought-provoking or it's stuck in your mind the most, the most challenging? Okay, so so blessed are the blessed are those who mourn, 
the challenge of blessed art. We all know that Charlotte struggles with mercy. No, but thank you. And someone else. Blessed are the meek. Why, why that one? Blessed are the meek. Anything that has stood out to you about these beatitudes in general, just collectively, together? don't possess them all. We don't find it. Or any. It, would you, but there is, there's something about a well-balanced person in this. And you can also say, I mean, these beatitudes are attitudes. They are, these are, these aren't just actions. They're, they're attitudes that come from a type of heart. And we're going to see them kind of fleshed out in the rest of the Sermon on the Mount um, in the, in, in different ways. I want to, I want to, Go into this next one, but before I do that, I want to say something about the last beatitude that we talked about last week. So it's so good; it's very challenging. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And I want to think because we didn't have time to talk about the ending of it. They shall blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Is a little different because where the other one says. We're different, like, blessed are the meek, for they shall be receive meekness. Or, or you know, it's, it's different. You know, this one's correlated. You'll, if you're merciful, you receive mercy. So what should we make of that? Does that mean that we need to earn mercy? Okay. Okay, if we... We reap what we sow. If I, okay. Now, how we, we saw this in the, remember the story of Jesus gave to, about forgiveness? What does the Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer, say about forgiveness? Do you remember? It's one that kind of sometimes puzzles us because it sometimes it feels almost like it goes against the gospel. It's implying if you don't forgive, your Father won't forgive you. So what do we make of that? Does that mean that we earn mercy? We earn forgiveness? Have, have you ever resolved that? Do you, do you, is that how you hold it? Do you earn mercy or do you kind of, that's one option. The other option would be I don't think about it. And I just, I try not to focus on that. It just doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense to me, so we just move on. As Paul said, there are some things that are too difficult for us. We just mumble through that.
take this to say, if we do not show in our lives forgiveness to people, we will never be forgiven by God and will then therefore go to hell. No, I'm saying, is that could that be the case? I just got Jen nervous. And, and, and I'm going to make you more nervous when I say that I actually believe it says that and means that. But maybe not what exactly how you, you immediately think of it. You're going to say something, Scott? I agree. I agree. Good. And I'm, by the way, I'm going to try to read as much as possible. Repeat, because some people have watched the video or are watching, uh, and we don't hear everybody. So speak up, or I'll try to say what you. I do. I agree. I, but to simplify it and not get too far, because we could we could spend a lot of sessions on this, and it wouldn't be a bad discussion to have. In fact, I think this is a good discussion to have. Paul, the Bible talks this way. Jesus talked this way more than anybody talked this way. If you forget, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And. If you're not merciful, what reason do you think you will have mercy? And he used it to par- he used that story about forgiveness in Matthew 18 when he said, he basically said, you servant, remember the servant that he, he has a little debt and he can't pay it. And he goes to his master and says, I can't pay it. Or he has a big debt and he, had, he can't pay it. And he tells his master and he forgives them all. And then he has the person that just was forgiven goes to his servant the servant says, I can't pay it just a little bit compared to the other one. And he says, I can't believe you. No way. I'm going to throw you in prison. And he did it. He didn't forgive. And then the Lord that had originally forgiven saw that and he cast him out and said, you're going to prison. You're not forgiven. Now, we can't take that story too far to say that that's exactly how it works. You get saved. It surely is not meaning to say you get saved, you get forgiven, but you need to be in a status of being forgiving as long as you're in that status of being a forgiving person, you get saved, but you'll lose your salvation. That's not what it's teaching. But what I do believe that in this passage and in the Lord's Prayer when He says, for if you forgive those, if you don't forgive those who forgive you, why do you, would you think that your Father forgives you? I think what this does not express that we earned mercy. We have to earn it or can earn it. But it does express the humble repentance necessary or essential to receiving divine mercy. Do you remember? What is necessary 
to be saved and receive forgiveness of sins. What are we called to do? What? We confess. What, it's, it's a word, but yes. What's the word that the R word in the Bible? We repent. Repentant is, is saying, I, I, I confess that I'm bad and I turn away from it I'm, and I need forgiveness. And I, it's, a, it's a spirit of what we actually have seen in the Beatitudes. It's a spirit of, I am poor in spirit. I need your grace. And I, 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 I mourn over my sin. And I am realizing that I'm absolutely in need of you. That's the heart of the gospel of coming to Jesus. And we're broken over our sins. And I, I like what John Stott, in his commentary on this section, said this. He said, this is not because we can merit mercy by mercy or forgiveness by forgiveness, but because we cannot receive the mercy and forgiveness of God unless we repent. Would you all agree with that? We don't receive the mercy and forgiveness of God unless we repent. We know that. That's when we preach the gospel. Children, repent and you shall receive mercy and you'll receive forgiveness. We cannot claim to have repented of our sins if we are unmerciful towards the sins of others. If we're, if we're unmerciful, and, and I think the point here is not that we have a moment of, of hardness of heart and then later on repent of it, but if our life is characterized by a continual not being merciful towards the sins of others, he says we cannot claim to have repented of our sins. Nothing moves us to forgive like the wondering knowledge that we have ourselves been forgiven. Nothing proves more clearly that we have been forgiven than our own readiness to forgive. What do you think of that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When you are born again, it actually creates a heart of repentance. And it creates a heart of faith, but but it but it all doesn't all happen right at once. And we do grow. We do. It's not like we're we're at the pinnacle and the top of perfection and forgiving hearts. God does have to. He chips away at our our sinfulness and our our lack of understanding of God's grace in our lives. <laughs> yeah, I I do think though. I think the other reason why this says it this way is when we hear a command like this, we it reminds us immediately, man, I have been forgiven. So when I pray the Lord's prayer, which I ought to, and I do regularly, I pray it usually as a form to help me think through what are the priorities to pray. 
Father, forgive me of my sins as I forgive those. Ooh, I got to forgive. How? Why would I believe? Why would I be thankful for God forgiving me? I'm a hypocrite, which leads right into tonight, which is blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I, we need to, to, to get into that. We need to go to Psalm 24. So let's look at Psalm 24. I think Psalm 24 is the background to this beatitude. Psalm 24, it's of David. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and all those who dwell, all who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who has ascended the hill of the Lord? Who has shall stand in his holy place? So he's saying, God made me, God made everything, and I, and, and I want to I want to approach him and know him. And who can do that? Look at verse four. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, and who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. Now, as you look at this beatitude in Matthew 5, verse 8, there are two common interpretations of what pure in heart means. The first, one, one interpretation is that pure in heart means really clean in the heart. <laughs> what, what it sounds like, like in the inner person versus the outer person, the, the outer external actions you know what I mean, the, the hypocrite that blows the trumpet and says, I'm really good at this, and I want everybody to know about it. But he goes home, and he is, he, he go, he's real generous out there with the, in the showy way, but he's really selfish at home. That's the hypocrite. He's not pure in heart. He's not clean in, in, in the inner person. And when nobody's looking, he's, whatever, he's doing whatever. Nobody's looking, and he, he's not real. Pure in heart, uh, that's one interpretation. That inside, in the inner person versus the outer per, outer external action, he is got, he's pure in heart. That's one interpretation. The second interpretation is single-mindedness. Just, you know, you have something that's pure, it's undivided. Pure, if you have something something pure, it's, it's not... Something here and something there. It's absolutely undivided in my heart. My heart is pure, purely undivided. And what would that undividedness be, you think? When we talk about an undivided heart that's right, what would that undivided heart be towards one thing? What? God. God and God alone. God, it's, I'm not divided. It's not God and myself, God and something else. It's God. My heart is completely and those have been the two, did you, okay, do you get those two categories? Okay, being truly authentic, sincere, real, down to the heart, there's pureness here. And then on the other side is single-mindedness. I'm not divided. I, am, I have one devotion, and that devotion consumes me, and is not, I'm, not, I'm not giving myself over to idolatry, over to other things. Get those two categories. What do you think it is? 
Cha-ching. Yes, I think that's a really helpful way of thinking. I think it's, I think even if it's one or the other that often is thought of in the New Testament or in the Old Testament, you, it doesn't, there, you don't have to make a dichotomy of this, it's either this or that. It, can, it actually, they interrelate. In fact, if you're going to truly be pure when no one's looking, or you want to know what a dad's really like? It's what he's like at home when he's not impressing anybody. Or what a mom is like when they're this, that, or when no, when nobody's in the house and you're home alone. That what what that okay that it doesn't. If you're going to have God at the center, if if you're pure in that moment, it's going to be because. There's a single-mindedness, a single devotion, a single passion. And so we have another psalm, Psalm 73, and you could just either, if you want to just mark it down, Psalm 73 is the psalm where David, uh, actually, it's, I don't think it is David spe- speaking in this psalm, but we have the psalmist, might be Asaph, um, he says, he starts out and he says, Truly God is Israel, good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And then he talks about how he was so anxious because he saw the evil of everybody and it was just frustrating that things were just unfair. And then he gets to the end and he realized God is going to be just. And then think about pure of heart and then think of what he says here. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is my strength and my portion forever. God is my portion. God is my strength. There's nothing on earth that I desire by besides you. Does that sound like singleness of mind? Does it? I mean, it's like, what's the singleness of mind of this psalmist? What is he focused on? And focused on alone. I mean, God, God, he's my strength, he's my portion, he's everything. Okay, so now we get back to the, the beatitude. Jesus is saying, blessed are those who are pure in heart. The, question, the helpful question is, what does an impure heart look like today? And let's let's use the double impure heart, meaning uh, a lack of sincerity. You're, you're not the real thing, and it's because you, your heart isn't single-minded. Someone want to give give some feedback on that? What what does an impure heart? Or the opposite of pure in heart look like? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or the mother that's, you know, kids, down. Hi. <laughs> that's, 
she was picking on she, see 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 Charlotte Charlotte was picking on men so I had to pick on women no we should have done it the other way around so, so no but but isn't that true is is that true I mean I think we can all What is the greatest competitor of our heart? Okay, so you said that you said materialism, and you say depends on the person. I would argue that there is, I think, one most common competitor, and the one that usually wins out in on our lives, and it's it's the same for everybody, but maybe. That's what I would say. Because even somebody that gives themselves to sports and sports becomes their idol, why is sports their idol? It's because it satisfies me. Or why, because because oh, there could be many reasons. One is it gets me exercise, and so I look good, and I love Christ, and it's better it goes me. Or because whatever it is. It, why, why do people, the reason why we give ourselves something, because it satisfies me. And that's why, and he gets back to the whole idea of what is sin. Sin is its middle letter. I. I. It was. And you could be like God. No, yep. And, and I do, which is really gets to the heart of pride. What pride is, is exalting myself up. And, and it, what, half these beatitudes are about pride. Pride and uh, not being poor in spirit and not being meek and not being, not truly mourning. say that again for so pastor said the biggest struggle he's had with people pastoring people is they're struggling with their divided heart that's really good I think that's and, and that makes sense and I, because what is the greatest commandment it, is it that saying I want you to have an undivided heart Undivided love. Undivided passion. You will love me with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your might. What is that? How much is left over for something else? Nothing. In fact, it, commercial for the marriage seminar. But, but there is the most loving husband is the husband that makes the wife second place in his life. And God first. 
Because he can love her so much more if he's tapped into the true source of love. When he makes his wife an idol, therefore his first, or even worse, himself first, often husbands make maybe maybe God third, himself first, maybe his wife second, then, it, it, and I'm not saying husbands, wives do the same, because it is common upon man and woman and human beings to do that, because of our sin nature, and because of sinfulness. And yet, here Paul sa- or Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart. And so he's God, God is really about, that's what Christianity is about, Him getting that into our heart. And He does it through the new birth and spirits when we get saved. And He's in the process of making us completely pure in heart, completely devoted to Him. Completely saying, and that's what the, that's, I think that's a main theme of the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer says, Hallowed be your name. And, and the Lord's Prayer is about the cry that a Christian should have in their whole life. I want my prayer is going to be, God, your name be hallowed. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then it moves on to give me daily bread and forgive me as I forgive others and lead me not into temptation to deliver. But it all starts with, God, give me devotion to you. Devotion means, I'm. if, if you're, what does it mean when you're devoted to, Something. What what would be something that you, you would be naturally devoted to? Okay, your children. What else? Your spouse. And when you say I'm devoted to my spouse, what do you mean by that? They're a priority. If it's, they're, they're a priority. They they demand the t- my time is a priority. They demand other things are priority. They I'm devoted to them. If someone says I'm a devoted uh, reader, they, they give themselves to reading. If they're devoted sports fan, they're Red Wings fan, they're devoted to their team. They're, okay, God calls us to an absolute devotion to God. Here's the thing, and, and this is the thing that we need to all get, and we need to get to our kids and our grandchildren is, but this, when God says, I call you to be devoted to me, He is, he is giving us gospel. He is giving us good news. He's saying, I am commanding you what your souls were meant to long for. But because of sin, you have been so, you've so bought into the lie that something else is better. And this life is about God pruning us away from not believing that God not believing that all the other things, including ambitions for myself, is good, and believing that the greatest thing for my good is God Himself. I, I, it's, it's not choose God and get the lesser joy, but that's the right thing to do. It's God is the greatest joy. He, the enjoyment of God is what our souls were made for. And we will enjoy Him forever for those who are believers. And, and so, here it is. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's their heart. They'll get their heart's desire. 
pure in heart will get their heart's desire. So what else? What else in answering Jack's question does impure of heart look like? What is the hip, what is the hypocrite or mixed passions, not single-minded, look like in your day and age, our day and age? We set up a different view of God or our own God or our own image of God in what He is, what He has, and what's what's a way we do that? What's an example? I think this has always been the case, but I think we're, we're seeing it punk, yeah, emphasized. I mean, casual Christianity, a Christianity of, of Christians that say, hey, I want the world and I want God. And by the way, legalism tells me that I don't want to be legalistic, and so I just run towards whatever, and we ignore what God's Word says. And, here in, in, and we grab on to all these things in the world that we want to do because we... I want it rather than God. Um, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here. Um, there's a, there's a lot here as you can see to really think about because I really think this beatitude gets us to the very heart of Christianity. Um, okay, we're gonna do something different in prayer tonight. Um, regarding prayer tonight, you have take out your sheets. Um, you have, the sh- on, the, on the prayer side, you have a list and categories. Um, pr- those are general prayer requests for the church. 
And then you have salvation prayer requests and health issues and spiritual needs, other prayer requests and praises. And so um, we have a lot more praises than that. That's just, <laughs> I hope we all have a lot more praises in, in our lives. Um, but this is what I want to do. A lot of times we just take more prayer requests and then we go into praying. Tonight, I want to quickly take any prayer requests so that we can have them and go and write them down. We'll add them to this list and we'll pray this week. And, but I'm going to take, I have five subjects that I want us to pray on tonight. I want us to all get corporately pray about them. And we will break up into little groups and we're going to pray for these things. And then we're going to take a break and move to the next theme. And I'll lead you in that. Um, as we go into prayer, but so that's we're gonna what we're gonna do is we're gonna pray for five themes tonight. We're gonna pray, and I want us to take these things and say, God, would you please do that in our lives? Because I think if if God, these are things that God wants us to pray for, and and I think God would be pleased to do a great work in these things, and we'll all benefit from, and we'll go, wow, behold God's work. Number one, we're gonna pray for. Visitors coming to Grace, both now and leading up to Easter and on Easter. I want to pray for, we, we gave out those cards, and we've asked you to pass those cards out. And here's an example. We had several new people here on Sunday, and I know at least two of the families, I, because I've talked to them enough to say, I'm not sure if they're saved or not. Fam- I'm just praising God they're coming. And they're going to end it. And and I think they're, and they talked about coming again and wanting to be connected. We need, to, we have an obligation to pray for them. We also have an ob- ob- obligation to minister to them. And the pastors and others will, will seek to bring the gospel to them in a, in a personal way beyond just the preaching time. But that's number one. We're going to pray for them, for visitors coming to grace, that God would, for those that are saved and looking for a church, they would, they get connected in. And then for those that are, and and Jason, if you, you probably do know this, but Jason and Jen, Jen really take a lead in the greeting ministry. And and they, you were quite busy this last Sunday, even the last several Sundays. So that's the first thing. The second thing we're going to pray is for, pray for our marriage seminar. And I'd ask you to pray for me as I finish preparing. And we have about 58 people coming. And so praying for that and praying for them but that leads us to just say, let's pray for marriages in our church. Praying that God would do a work, even for those that can't come, but praying for marriage. We're going to, we're going to, we, we can't just, we just, we would be really a messed up church if we just have a bunch of events and we don't actually seek God for his blessing on those things. So we want to pray, God, do that. Now, number th- the third category thing we're going to pray for is our elections. We need to pray. And we just need to pray that God would be glorified and that he would give in these elections, both between now and November, both for president and for Congress and for other things like that. First Timothy 2, 2 says that we are to pray for our leaders and we are to pray for the king. We are to pray that we may have a peaceable life and that the gospel may spread. And so we should, I want us to spend time praying. It's easy to grumble. Kind of like Calvin 
Kuhl had said, it's everyone grumbles about the weather, but nobody does anything about it. Um, we're, we can grumble about politics, and we should do something about it by praying, especially. There's other things, but we need pray. And then the, then the fourth thing is I want to pray for the sick in our church, for those that are sick and hurting, and, and for those that are related to those who are sick. You might say, hey, it's my mother, or it's, and I want to see, we're going to spend time praying for the sick. And here's how I want to pray for the sick. Yes, we pray for healing, because I, I do think that we have a pattern of praying for healing. And we, have, we pray for relief in pain. It's not wrong, and we should pray for that. But we say, God, but would you please give those things but in this, help that this sickness would not be wasted, but that they would be drawn closer to you through this sickness. Either if sometimes they're not saved, or they are saved, but God builds us, purifies our faith. He strengthens us, and so we should pray for them. And I think... I, I would want you to pray. If I'm sick, I want you to pray for me. Help. Yes, pray that I get better, but pray that I do not help, that I learn everything that God wants me to learn through this trial and infirmity physically. The last thing is praying for the ministry of the Word at Faith Baptist Church. That's what I'm call, That's a big label, the ministry of the Word. But what I mean by that is Sunday morning, am I preaching? I need I need God's help to to be able to explain it better to do it right, to be faithful to His Word, and that His Spirit shows up. Praying for Pastor Wes and all his times he teaches, and Pastor Jay, and Pastor, for you, those that are in Bible studies, and the ABFs, and all that goes on, that God would, that we would see just a hunger for the Word of God, and that the ministry of the Word of God. I think if we pray for those five things, God answer those five things, what a remarkable thing we would see of, at Faith Baptist, and we would all be blessed. So what we're going to do is, in a little bit, we're going to we're going to get into our groups of two to four, and I'm going to I'm going to say, okay, visitors at Grace, start praying, <laughs> and so we'll all start praying for that topic. And and in a few minutes, I'm going to I'll I'll pray for that out loud, and then we'll move to the next subject, and we'll go through those five subjects. Got it? Okay. So, but I do want to take prayer requests if you have any. Do you have any, any, what prayer requests do we need to add to our list? I, I'm going to just say, pray for two families that, I, I'm not going to use their names right now, but two families that came Sunday, and both of them are coming because of the Quasarano's death. Um, I, I was walking today, and I met another lady who recognized me from a funeral, and she talked with me, and she's now going to another church because of the Quasarano's. I mean, that's, I mean, it's just, there's just a lot of spiritual, you know, it's, it's wakes, it's kind of like this, the Quasarano's have been a spiritual smelling salt to a lot of people. It kind of wakes them up.
so encouraging. And, and I really believe that through, I mean, Paul talks this way, through your prayers, I will do this. Or through your prayers, God will open the door. I mean, God wants us to pray. Okay, great, thanks. Someone else, prayer requests. Maybe from those five categories or something else. Surely, if you have one that you want to, when you break up into groups, you can always say, hey, anything else that we need to pray for specifically or pray for that in your group. So let's do that now. Get into groups of two to four. And let's let's now spend about, we're just going to be about four minutes. So if someone might pray or two might pray, and then the next person will pray for the next group. We're going to pray for visitors coming to Grace Church. Future visitors people that have already visited, even as we think towards Easter, that God would bring them into the church that they meet because God wants people to be part of the family of God and to be saved if they're not saved. So let's pray. Please work this Sunday and now, even even today, this evening, the seeds that have been planted in the hearts of visitors. I pray that you would cause that those seeds to grow, and I pray that the gospel would work. And and, and these the lady that Alicia has been talking to, and others have, that came and will come, that will come this Sunday, and that you will prompt to move or to be invited to come this coming Easter. God, we ask that you would do a work. I pray that you would do it also in a way that all of us in this room would actually have our faith built up, seeing you bringing direct answers to prayer and that you move us to more faith and more obedience and that we would share the gospel and we would see you at work. And then for those that are believers but need a church, I pray that you would you'd work and lead in that way as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's spend time praying for the marriage seminar, for our marriages, and for those that are coming, and for me as I as I finish preparing and speak this Saturday. Oh Father, I pray that you would please work this Saturday. Not just this Saturday, but you would work this Saturday in a way that would really maybe save some marriages uh, by your grace or and significantly strengthen marriages. Would you draw marriages to you in a greater way? I pray that you'd help me as I finish preparing. Help those that are, are preparing and helping for this event. Make it happen. And I, I pray that you would not only do that, I pray for those whether they're able to come or not, that you would uh, you would work in the relationships of our church, husband and wife relationships, especially tonight we pray, that you would be glorified and that there would be there would be the type of love between Christ and the church that would be seen so clearly and evidently in our marriages. 
that you would shine as lights in the world. Be with the 58 that are signed up. I pray that they would be able to come, that you would work in remarkable ways for your your glory in our good. In Jesus' name, amen. Now let's let's spend time praying, <coughs> praying for the elections. Pray for the, the, the primaries that are taking place. There's a lot of goofiness going on in both sides. Um, let's pray that God would be glorified, that the church would be faithful, they would speak truth and love, and that God would have mercy on our country and give us what we need, probably not what we deserve. So please be with our president right now, President Obama, and I pray for our his cabinet, and I pray for our Supreme Court justices and the future selecting of one, and I pray for our Senate and our Congress and our state representatives and our state Senate and our, our governor, and I pray for our local magistrates and leaders. And, oh, God, I pray you'd have mercy on them, and I pray that they would lead in the fear of the Lord. I pray that they would make decisions that would be consistent with your word, with wisdom, with guidance. They would walk with integrity and righteousness for those that are not. I pray that they would repent. God, I pray that you'd have mercy on us in this election. I pray that you would give us a president that would be good for us and would bring peace and righteousness, even though we know that it's you that brings righteousness, but would in the in the line in which they've been called to as leader, as an executive, I, I pray that you would so guide that way. And I pray that you would you would help us to have hearts that glorify you in this election cycle. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray for those that are sick in this room or in this church or related to this church, that not only would they get healing and comfort, but they would they would grow richly closer to Christ because of it. God, I pray for those that are ill, those who are sick, those who are injured, those that are dying of diseases or are growing old and feeling death by age or death by disease or death by just even those that are hurting. And, and God, I pray, God, that you would help them. We ask for healing. We ask for sustaining grace. We ask for a change of uh, status and in, in increasing of health. We pray for those things, but we ask more that their souls would prosper than their bodies would prosper because their their bodies will be resurrected. But I pray that their hearts would trust in you and they would be purified by faith through the trial. And and I pray for those that are in this church. I pray for I know that Jay Blackburn has been really sick this last week and I pray that you'd heal him and and there are, there are others. Pastor Jack, we ask that you would help him and heal him and help him physically and 
There, there are many others. There are some in, our, in this room. And I, I pray for Joy Dibler. And, 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 and God, please help all of our prayers. Would you please help us to love each other, to, to act like the body with those and care for and be family to those that are suffering. Show compassion and sympathy and mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. And lastly, we pray for the ministry of the word. So I'll pray for, would you please pray for me for Sunday morning and pray for uh, those that, that would teach during Sunday school and for Pastor West as he teaches the teens and students and for all the children's ministers who work with the kids in junior church and in, and in Sunday school and on Wednesday nights. Pray that God, that these would not just be things that we do, but God would really work. So let's pray for that. You said that your word will not return void, but it will accomplish all that it you choose to cause it to purpose. God, you created us with the word of your power. And you give us life according to the word of your power. This church is the buttress and pillar of the truth. And I pray that we proclaim the truth. And you would make the truth resound in this, in this room and in the rooms in this room. And it would in this building, and it would not just be words, but it would come with spirit and power. And I, so I pray for those that teach the children's church, the junior church, and each of the Sunday school, and the nursery. I pray for tonight, right now, in Kids Club, and with with Wes and the Hutchinsons, and those others that are leading in the in, with the teens. And I pray that you would be this Sunday morning with Jay as he teaches, and Pastor Jack as he teaches, and as I teach, and as others are teaching, uh, and Ethan teaches, I pray for all the Sunday school classes that are, are the kids' classes that will be going on as they teach. I pray they wouldn't just be words, but you would come with life. And I pray that you, we would see a hunger for you in the student, but also in the teacher. I pray for each teacher that you would teach them, grow them, and give them a hunger for you. Help me this Sunday as I preach. I pray that the word, the door would be open and that you would allow me to declare the mystery of Christ. And as we look at the amazing reality of the resurrection of our bodies, the hope that we look, that we are saved, we hope in this hope in you. God, I pray that you would so do a work this, not just this week, but this year and this season in a way that your word comes forth. And I pray that we would truly live out even tonight's message, that we would be pure in heart. We long to be pure in heart. We, in hearing this, we would feel in us even a greater desire to be fully devoted to you. And so have that happen. And So God, please do that. And encourage us now as we conclude with the song in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to conclude by singing Be Thou My Vision. You should have a sheet. And which is a really good song that fits with the subject of blessed are the pure in heart, undivided heart. Let's let's sing. Let's stand together and uh, let's sing this song as a prayer, because that's what it is—a uh, prayer for God to be our hearts to be undivided with God as our vision. Oh, my.
Now 